Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining me here in my house in McKinney, Texas. And God bless you and thank you and welcome you coming from SoundCloud and all over the world. God bless you. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Another uh, wonderful day in the Lord that we got to hear his word and uh, study what God has to say to us. Um, I'm going to start up with a prayer. So if you guys want to please join me because I don't want to do anything without praying Got to seek God in all we do, first in all we do. So let's pray and ask God to bless this message and help our hearts to receive this message. And then we'll get on to my thoughts from last week's message and where we're at in the Bible. So Lord, we just thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you shower upon all mankind every single solitary day. For Lord, you give life, breath, and all things to all people. Lord God, until it's our time to be up on this earth, or we no longer will live, Lord, on this earth. Lord, you give us all good things every day. The very breath that we breathe, you cause those plants to make that air every single solitary day. We don't even make the air that we breathe, Lord God in heaven. We don't even cause our hearts to beat, Lord God in heaven, yet they beat in our chests and we don't even think about it, Lord. They just beat. So you, uh, truly, life and the things in life are a gift. And we thank you for them, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We ask you to bless this message to our minds and our hearts, Lord. Help us to receive this message, Lord God, and to, to, to hold on to this message, Lord, and, and to hear what you have to say. And Lord, make the changes necessary, if there's changes necessary to be made, and help us to be strengthened in you if, if we're on the right path and doing what we ought to be doing. So Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you guys want to turn your Bibles to 1 John, we're going to be in chapter 3. We're going to be covering verses 10 through 18 today. Again, that's 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. And I will read those and we'll study those after my thoughts from last week's message, He who sins is of the devil. Last week we talked about how confusing 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 is. Because when we read it in most of our English versions, we read, as verse 8 says simply, He who sins is of the devil. That scripture read plainly in the fact that the Bible says that everyone sins makes everyone of the devil. And Bible says that those that are of the devil are not saved, which means that nobody is saved from hell, period, the end. Not even because of Jesus Christ or in Christ or because of anything he did. And we know by what the Holy Scriptures say as a whole that this idea is simply false. And I talked to you about how what the Scripture really meant and with my biblical aid of the Young's literal tr- uh, translation. The Word of God is so deep. It's so, so, so very deep. In fact, there are many things in God's Word that are very deep. And unfortunately, the deep ideas are hard to understand and so easily mis understood and mistaught. In fact, many of Paul's letters have really been misunderstood and so mistaught because some of what he writes is hard to understand. It's hard. The epistles of Paul, some of them are difficult. So my only thought on this idea of hard to understand scriptures and God's word, understanding them from last week and to all the Bible is this. In 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, Peter says this. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. If you want to know why the Lord hasn't come back yet, 
The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. He delays so that people will get saved. Peter again, anyway, that's just an aside. Consider that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our brother or our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So Paul wrote you the same thing. As also in all his epistles, speaking of them, or speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do in the rest of the scriptures. So listen, everyone who reads or listens to your Bibles that's listening to me today, and you come across a difficult section or you know, scripture or passage, this, you need to make sure that you're not just coming up with any interpretation on what you read to understand them. As we just read by Peter, it is a spiritually dangerous thing to just come up with this any interpretation to a difficult passage or just any passage for that matter. So my advice to all my Bible readers and listeners out there is this. If you come across a difficult passage or section that you don't understand, pray about it first. Ask God, God, what does that mean? You may not get the answer right then and there, but you know, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. God, what does this scripture mean? Help me to understand it. Then don't just be like a hearer of the word, be a doer. Don't just pray about it, but then do something about it. Then go to the Bible and research other sections that have the same theme or wording in them. They make something called a concordance. And what that is, is it's every single word in the Bible has been taken down, it's been written down, and then the, their original definitions from ancient times have been recorded. Not our brand new definitions to those Greek words, but those old words to the definitions of those words, those old definitions of those words were written down in there, okay? And that concordance will help you find these words that you look up. and, and Or you can go to a, 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 a site, a, a, a internet site called Bible Gateway and search up any keyword or any idea in just about any version and it'll pull up all the verses that that word or key phrase or key sentences are found in. Then what you do is you cross-reference what the whole of all these scriptures say with that key word or that key idea and you come up with a biblical interpretation, not just a your own or just any interpretation. And you're taking all of what the Bible says on an idea that you don't understand, and then you take from the Bible and you come up with a biblical interpretation, not just any interpretation. This principle is so important, I can't stress it enough. We can't only be Bible readers and listeners to learn God's Word. We need to be Bible scholars, in a sense, to learn God's Word, to understand God's Word, and to really grow deep with Christ and not make up false doctrines from God's Word. Because false doctrine leads to a false understanding of God, and a false understanding of God leads to another God, a different God, and not the same God of the Bible. So we want to be careful that we we don't make up destructive heresies like those people that Peter were talking about, and that we come up with an interpretation from the Scripture. So I hope you won't just listen or read God's Word and just come up with just whatever understanding to it. I hope that you'll really be diligent to seek out what the true meaning of that Scripture means and not just any meaning. All right, well, praise God. Let's switch gears. Let's get on to our new sermon for today, shall we? We're going to be again First 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read them over. The title of our sermon today, The Thermometer. Just a simple one. 
You'll understand as we go. Again, 1 John chapter 3, 10 through 18. The thermometer would be our title. So I'm going to read them. You can read along with me or you can just listen along, whichever you'd like. And then I'll teach on this section of Scripture. The Bible says, John says to us, I should say God through John says this, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he that would be Christ laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So last week, John described some characteristics of the spiritual child of God versus some, some characteristics of the person who is of the devil. John said in the last section of, the, of Scripture that the spiritual child of God, the saved person, practiced or practices righteousness. And really what we learn, and we're going to learn it today, I'm going to go back over it today, that practice righteousness didn't mean just did good deeds. It meant imitated the righteous lifestyle of Christ. And the child of the devil, the unsaved person, practiced or practices sinning. He makes sin a practice of his life. And there's no repentance there. It's just a life of sin. And, hey, God loves me anyway, so I'm good, or whatever they may say. But then the lifestyle is a practice of sin. Those who practice sin are of the devil. This week in verse 10, John stays on that same topic of writing by repeating himself, then giving us another characteristic that differentiates God's spiritual child and the child of the devil. Verse 10, John says, In this the child of God and the, ch- and the children of the devil are manifest. What is he saying? By what I'm going to tell you, Christians, by these thermo- you know, by these thermometers that I'm going to give you here, you will be able to know or tell between a truly saved person and a truly not saved person. So I'm going to give you a gauge, Christians, and you're going to be able to tell by this gauge I give you, this thermometer, who really is a child of God, those that are saved, those that are walking with God, and those that are not. John repeats from this last section in verse 10 there. He says again, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Remember what I said about when the Bible repeats itself, right? Whenever the Bible repeats itself, that is something important. It's something that, remember nowadays we use the all caps when we want to yell and we want to make our points known. Well, then in the Bible, 
in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the Old Times, in the Bible days, they repeated themselves. And here, John repeated himself by just exactly what he said in the last section. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Remember this righteousness he speaks of, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We can't just think this is just good righteousness. He says here in 1 John 2, Now by this we know that we know him. Another Here's another thermometer. If we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as Jesus walked. So John's not saying, hey, practice just any good deed and we know you're of God then. No, practice the righteous, those who practice the righteous lifestyle of Christ. Those who are striving to live as Christ lived on this earth and do the things that he did, those are the ones that are really of God. That is the spiritual child of God. And then the number two, he gives us the new characteristic where we'll be spending most of our time for today. He says, nor is he who does not love his brother. That's self-explanatory, right? This is the person. We know the persons of God. We know the person is a child of God, a spiritual child of God, because they simply love. They love people. They love other Christians. Jesus commanded, we're going to read it in here in a little bit, Jesus commanded us to love. We know that Jesus gave a parable of the... Uh, of the uh, of the Samaritan, where he said, "Love, love all peoples. Love even the peoples that aren't your, you know, your own kind and whatnot." So we know those. Uh, he who doesn't love, basically others, is is not of God. He's of the devil. It doesn't get any clearer than what John said. Forget about what a person professes in their faith. A lot of people say whatever, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I'm oh, I'm saved. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. A lot of people say a lot of things. Doesn't matter what kind of prayer you pray. It doesn't matter what who you say you believe in. John just said, you know a truly saved person by if by the thermometer of if they are truly striving to practice a lifestyle like the one Jesus Christ lived. So doing the things that Jesus said to do, following his footsteps, Christian means follower of Christ, little Christ being that way. And if you really love Christians and other people as well, just have a love for people in your heart. So this thermometer is telling us who is a child of God and who is a child of the devil. As we go along in this section of scripture, you have to look at yourself. As I looked at myself as I was teaching this section of scripture. And you have to search out your heart and you have to see where you're at. That's why John wrote, I believe John wrote this section of scripture. As a great thermometer to show us why God through him wrote this, I should say. To show us kind of where we're at, where we're standing with Christ. You know that those are of the devil, he says here, because they don't. They don't love others. They're not striving to live a Christ-like life. And we're not talking about perfection, understand. We're not talking about I'll never ever sin again because Jesus never ever ever sinned. No, we're talking about though striving to live sinless. For Peter says, be holy for God is holy in all your conduct. So a true child of God is striving to live a righteous lifestyle in Christ and striving to love other Christians especially and the people of the world as well. 
John is so bold to point this out. You just don't hear this stuff. I don't know how. I've never been in a church, actually, where they taught 1 John. 1 John is one of the most in-your-face, bam, books in the whole, all the Bible. It really is. I mean, God is so powerful in his message here with the, these truths. On this new characteristic John gives us here of love, why is it so important that a saved person love their fellow Christian and, and all others as well too? Look at verse 11. For this is the message, John says, that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Because it's important for them to do it, because This is what they had been hearing. This is what they had been taught. This is what we had been taught. You should be being taught this in your Christian churches to love others in your walks with God. This is what Christianity is. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. So if God is love, we also ought to love, right? Where did they hear this teaching from? You know, where, where did they get it from? Well, only from John 13, 34, where Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, gave this command to all his followers, to those that would want to follow him. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Notice Jesus repeated himself there, didn't he? Then in 35, so John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus tells us the same thing John does here, just in a different way. He says, by this, listen, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, right? So what did John say? In this, the child of God and the child of devil are manifest, right? He who loves is of God and he who doesn't love is of the devil. Jesus said, you will know by your love that people will know you're my disciples. So Jesus and John said the same thing. In essence, John just repeated what Jesus Christ said in John 13, in, in the Gospel of John, not 1 John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. You see, a true spiritual child of God should be setting their hearts on learning Christ's ways and his teachings. But that's not all. He should be also working and striving in his life to practice those things as well, too. And there we just read one thing that Christ said wasn't optional for his followers. He said, love one another. And again, the Good Samaritan teaching by Jesus tells us that real Christians, real followers of Christ should love all peoples. For all peoples are made in the similitude of God after all. I mean, we're going to read it a little later. John says, how can you say you love God, but you don't love your brother? How can you love God who you haven't seen and yet not love your brother whom you can see? Another little thermometer John gives, I think, next chapter. Okay. Now, there's another level that John doesn't mention here in this loving one another that he didn't cover, but I'm going to cover. What is that extra level that we don't read here in this scripture? Well, it's the spiritual born-again level. And I've been preaching this for, gosh, almost a decade. God gave me a gospel tract. How do you know you're saved? I've mentioned this before in my sermons. And in this gospel tract, it talks about if you're born again, these things should be coming out of you. See, I believe that when someone is truly born again on the path of Christ and not backslidden, that means that they've turned their hearts away from their Lord, they're kind of gone astray, God's love in a truly on-the-path Christian should be dwelling within them. For as I've said already, 
1 John 4, 8, God is love. And if God, who is love, is dwelling within you, because if you're saved, he should be dwelling within you, and you're not backslidden again now, and you're not rejecting his reign on your life, then that love should be coming out of you. Almost like there was an old Gatorade commercial back in the day, right? And they would show the guys playing basketball and football, and on the sidelines they're drinking the blue Gatorade, and they're drinking the orange Gatorade, and they're drinking the red Gatorade, and they're running around, and as they're running around, what's coming out of them? Red and blue and orange, and it's kind of like, whoa, what's that? And, and the whole idea of the commercial was, is it in you? Meaning, if it's in you, it's going to come out of you. And this Gatorade, they'd be sweating the Gatorade, and that was the idea of the commercial. Well, if you're a real Christian, John's saying, love is going to come out of you. Love, you're going to love the world. You're going to love Christians. You're going to love people. There's your thermometer. Do you love? Okay? Um, but no matter which level you're looking at, spiritual or, or command from Christ, in this scripture, John's saying that a spiritual child of God is known by their, one, striving to live the lifestyle that Christ Jesus lived, following his ways and his teachings, and loving mankind. While the child of the devil, well, they're not. Again, they're not striving to live like Christ. They're not striving to love others. Look at what John says next. Look at what he does next. See, the Bible isn't good. God and the Bible and the writers, they didn't just say, okay, boom, here you go. That's how you do it. Here's what they do. They give us examples of what to do and what not to do. Look at what John does next, verse 12. He says, so we just had love, but not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. He gives us an example of how not to love. Right? He didn't just say, oh, just love. He just gives us an example of how not to love by telling us what happened between Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve's first two kids. What happened to these two? A day came when each of these guys came and they brought an offering to the Lord. Back in those days, kind of like how we would today, if we give the Lord our time or our tithe offering or our gift offering, we give an offering to the Lord. Well, these guys, at that time, sacrifices and offerings were offered to God. And so Cain and Abel both brought their offerings unto the Lord. Cain and Abel both brought their respective offerings. Abel, uh, Abel excuse me, brought God of the firstborn of his flock, uh, so the first fruits of it is increased, while Cain just brought the Lord a sacrifice. And you see, God honored and respected Abel's offering, while Cain's he did not. God loves it when we bring him the first fruits of our day, the first fruits of our offerings, the first fruits of our worship. God loves that, and we see that back then, and God hasn't changed. He still loves it today. Well, because the Lord respected Abel's offering, Cain got jealous, even though they were brothers, and he murdered Abel. Cain murdered Abel. And John says here, don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ and all people like Cain loved Abel. Notice here that this hate, first of all, this unloving, this, this way not to love John is describing, is that of an action. Remember that because it's important. These aren't just fictitious, you know, oh, they're just out there. This was an action that he described first of all. 
That's important. Basically, he says, real Christians aren't supposed to hate in their actions or deeds, especially in murder. Now, you may be saying to yourself right now, well then, (laughs) I got this one, Pastor Ed. I got this one. All I have to do to love others is not kill them. Yeah, all right, I got that one. Praise God, I'm good. I, I don't have to murder anybody. I'll just walk away. That's easy. Well, not quite that simple. Unfortunately, John adds something to this, just a few verses down. Skip down to verse 15 with me and read the first part of 15. John says this, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. He goes past now the actual physical deed of the murder, and he goes to whoever just hates his brother is a murderer. So it's not just the actual act of murder that's a sin. John just said that even if you have hatred for others in your heart, Jesus talked about that too. God looks on that as if as Cain's physical murder of Abel. Ouch. Ooh, that hurts. Definition of hatred, Merriam-Webster online. A very strong feeling of dislike. Explained as prejudiced hostility or animosity or racial prejudices and national hatreds. Oh, double ouch. Well, by golly, our country's filled with those things. Prejudice and racism and hatred. Man, our country's full of those, aren't they? In fact, the whole world is really full of that, isn't it, right now? But that means here, according to John, that even if a person has a very strong feeling of dislike or hostility or prejudice for people in general, then in God's eyes, they're a murderer. What's the result of this type of hate or murder in God's eyes? Well, John tells us in the rest of verse 15. He says, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, this, of course, would be the practice of hatred or the practice of continuing to be racist toward others or continuing to have hateful feelings and hateful thoughts toward others. Everybody, I think, has a passing. Oh, oh, I hate that guy. Oh, wait, you know. But then the real Christian says, no. I'm not going to hate, I'm going to love. Because biblically we know that no one who practices any sin is going to inherit eternal life. Which is right back to what John just said in the last passage. Those who practice sin as a lifestyle are of the devil. And God considers the practice of a person hating others murder. Therefore, a sin. So no matter whether a person has a physical hatred for someone, as Cain did Abel, and they murder them physically, or they just have a mental hatred for others, or a strong dislike for others, or racism toward others, this is the same as murder to God. And John just said, it's a sin that will keep you out of heaven, for you're of the devil if you're having this kind of feelings, these kind of, these kind of things going on in you. Moving on here, but backing up two verses so I don't miss teaching at all. Look at verse 13. John says, Do not marvel, my brethren, just talking specifically to Christians, if the world hates you, okay, don't don't be surprised, Christians. The world is a place full of hate. Don't be surprised if the people of the world, the children of the devil, 
hate you, right? John is writing to Christians then and now, and all peoples really, about how we could tell, how you could tell, if the difference between a spiritual child of God and a child of the devil. And one of the ways that we could tell them apart, according to John here, is that the child of the devil has a strong dislike or a hatred, you could say, for people in general. They don't love and remember. They're not striving to follow Christ's ways and his teachings, so on and so forth. So Christians, don't be surprised. Today, even saying the name of Jesus, I've gotten in trouble for it at my job multiple times. Even saying the name of Jesus, let alone Jesus Christ, is like pouring gasoline on a fire. Uh, Then hear more, uh, more thermometer action here in verse 14. Let's read it. We know, John says, that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So John just said, a sure, a for sure, a sure, 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 sure sign that a person has truly been converted and truly being saved and truly abiding in Christ and on the path of being saved is that they loved saved Christians. And I will add by scripture, of course, that they love all peoples. Again, John is seeming to having a loop here. He's continuing this kind of to say the same things. And again, this is important. That's why John keeps repeating it. And if someone isn't loving humanity and mankind, John says they're abiding in death. And they're a child of the devil, according to John here. And remember how John gave us this idea of hating or having a strong dislike both physical and mental, but both being considered by, you know, murder by God. Whether you hate somebody or strongly dislike them in your heart of hearts or in your mind, or whether you actually go murder them, God, I just said, considers it all murder. It's all hatred to God. It's all a sin. It all means that you're of the devil. Well, a Christian's love for others should be the same, both physical and mental, if you are a real spiritual child of God. Look at how John describes love. Look at the first part of 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. What what did he just say? He said we know love. Real love, Christians, is a physical laying down your life action love. It's not just some, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, have a nice day. Oh, I love you. It's an actual sacrificial laying down your life service, action, love, right? Then he says the same type of love needs to be between saved Christian people and Christians for others. Look at the rest of verse 16. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So here, specifically, we're supposed to be laying down our lives specifically for other Christians here. So just as Jesus Christ physically showed us his love by laying down his life for us, a true Christian should also physically lay down their lives for each other. As I said, true biblical love, the love Christ wants and expects his children to have for one another and for all people, is not not just in kind words, but it's in actions and deeds. John says it here in verse 18, My little children, Christians, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So let our love be more than just a word. Let our love be shown to one another in actions. And this, again, is what John says is the mark 
of a true saved person. So this love that Christ expects Christians to have for one another needs to be in words and actions, not just by words. By what, so just by what does love look like actually biblically? How can we tell? Well, how do we know what real love is biblically? I mean, we know laying down our lives for one another, as John just said, but what else? Well, there's lots of ways Christians are called to love one another and others. Uh, some to think about between Christian to Christian here first is... Uh, Love by service. Time spent with. How do we love the brethren? Well, we spend time with one another, right? We love them by serving them, by being kind to them. Uh, We love them by speaking nice things to them, by being encouraging to them, and even by lovingly rebuking others. If they're in need of a loving rebuke, then we lovingly rebuke them. And of course, the way that John brings up here, verse 17 He says this, but whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So if you're a Christian and have enough of the world's good, John says, and you see another Christian in need, you need to share what you can with them. God expects true Christians to be generous with their wealth and their goods. If you see another Christian that has a need, be generous. For how can you see another brother in need and not help him if you have this world's goods? Hey, this world and the things of the world are all passing away. We can't take the things that we have, the money that we have, the savings that we have, all the goods that we have. We can't take them with us. We, since we can't take them with us, what manner of, how should we look at them, you could say? How should we look at them? Well, A, they're expendable. And John says here, we can love others by doing these things for others, by providing for others if they're in need. And how can a Christian love humanity as a whole? Well, as a whole, by sharing Christ and eternal life with them. Being kind in our actions. Showing them love. Doing kind things for them. At work, doing that nice gesture for that one coworker who maybe even doesn't like you, right? Bringing in some candies or something one day and sharing some candies, sharing some treats with others. And hey, you know, here, here you go. Hey, you know, God loves you. You know, things like that. For you see, the love that sets a spiritual child of God apart from a child of the devil is a tangible love for others. Now, as I kind of said there almost in the beginning, I believe John wrote a lot of what he did in this section. And in this epistle and in all his writings, God through him, you should say, to help people know how or where they stand in Christ Jesus. How? As I mentioned, by giving them a thermometer or a gauge that shows them if they're in Christ or if they're not in Christ. Why is this thermometer so important? Many, even today, in case you're unaware, uh, anywhere from seven to nine people in America right now. So out of every ten people, every seven to nine actually profess and believe themselves to be Christians. Even believe themselves to be saved, and if they were to die right now, they would really Go to heaven. That's what they believe. That's, what we, that's the world of my America that we live in right now. But I would say, but are they really? As I mentioned earlier, 
hatred, and racism fill our world, especially in America. With all the cops killing people and people killing cops, along with the types of sinful ways of life that people live, with the sinful ways people speak, with all the sinful things people do, how they drive, the sinful ways in which people treat one another, filled with hate, right? And yet many, and that's the majority of what I see in this America that I live in. And when you look at the news, and when you read the paper, and when you just look around you, that's the majority of what you see. Yet many people in this American country of mine profess to be of Christ or to know Christ. Well, it doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. There's something wrong. And the Bible says here, John said, right here, if you have an open heart and you're willing to listen to the message today, you heard what John wrote. If you have an open heart, John's writings will help you to determine if you are really in Christ or if you're not really in Christ. John opened up this section with the thermometer in verse 10. He said, In this the child of God and the child of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Remember, those that are striving to live a Christ-like life, following Christ's ways, doing the things that he said to do, loving others, this is the child of God. The ones that are not, the ones that are having strong dislike of hatred for others, the ones that are not striving to follow Christ, the ones that serve themselves, live for themselves, do what they want to do, they're not. So listen to me, please, all that are listening. Don't listen to me, in fact. Listen to God through John. Listen to the thermometer God gave you to know if you're really in Christ. Are you really striving to live a life like Jesus Christ? Trusting in Him, obeying Him, and His teachings, abstaining from the practice of sinful ways and the sinful passions of your flesh, as the Bible says that a Christian ought to be doing? And are you also loving others, especially true Christians, in word and in deed, and not just in word only? And if, and if you are being loving, that means you're not hating or strongly disliking true Christians, or, or anyone for that matter. Because if these characteristics describe you, then you belong to Christ. And you have passed from death to life, as John says here. And you are abiding in Jesus Christ on a daily basis. But if they don't describe you, which means that you have a strong dislike for Christians and you aren't really kind or loving to other people either, and you aren't striving to live a life like Christ and trusting in Him and obeying Him and His teachings and abstaining from sin and the sinful lusts of your flesh, then John says that you're abiding in death and a child of the devil and then the Bible says if you're a child of the devil, then you are headed for hell. So what do the thermometer readings of John's writings show you today? Do they show you that you are a spiritual child of God? Or do they show you that you are a child of the devil? If you have taken your spiritual temperature today by John's thermometer, and you realize that you are a child of the devil by John's description, not mine, Despite whatever profession of faith you may have, 
despite you believing that you, when you die, you're going to go to heaven and that you prayed a prayer when you were younger, or by golly, you believe in Jesus. You must realize today that a child of the devil by John's thermometer readings means that you are not saved. And in this moment, if you were to die, you would go to hell and you wouldn't go to heaven. And that's just the simple fact of it all. What must you do if you realize that this is you today in order to become a spiritual child of God, saved and on your way to heaven? What, what must you do? Well, I won't teach you as other places teach you, as other churches teach you the false way. Oh, just have a belief in Jesus. Oh, just believe on the name of the Lord Jesus because that's what they think the Scripture says because they're not really looking into the Scripture. Because I can believe in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean anything just by having a basic head knowledge belief. What the Bible really says is that salvation comes first by repentance. And that's turning to the Lord for mercy. If you really didn't fit the description of God's spiritual child in today's scripture, then you're headed for hell. But God wants to save you. You need to turn. Turn to Christ and away from your wicked ways. You need to ask God for mercy. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Confess your rebellion against Him. And ask Him to forgive you. God, please, I didn't realize, I didn't realize, I don't live like Christ. I didn't realize that some, oh my gosh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, please forgive me. And then, in your heart of hearts, Fall on your face and surrender your life and your heart to Him. Make Jesus Christ the true Lord of your life. Decide to follow Him and stop following your own ways. Stop doing what you want to do and make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to make you His spiritual child. Ask Him to give you the Holy Spirit. Because my friend, whoever you are, they may be listening to me out there. If you do not love and you are not following Christ, either A, you've never been born again and therefore what God is and who God is is not coming out of you, or B, you've come to Him, but then you've backslidden away. You've turned away from the Lord and you've turned back to your own sinful and lustful flesh. And in hence, either way, the result is still the same. Hellfire for all that don't surrender and live surrendered and stay in Christ unto the end. Ladies and gentlemen, God is love, 1 John 4 and He loves all mankind. But just because He loves you, doesn't make you automatically justified and automatically saved and on your way to heaven. If you're not there, you must turn to Christ now and away from your sinful ways of rebellion and surrender to Christ and decide to follow Him. What does John's thermometer show you today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. For your message, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for John's great thermometer. God, I pray that everybody out that's listening to me today, Lord, wherever they may be to the farthest reaches of the world, Lord God, I pray that they took their temperature today, Lord God, by John's thermometer. And Lord, I pray, dear God, 
if they realize right now that they're not of you, that they're not doing what you, your word just said, not me, Lord, I just repeated what you said, Lord. If they're not living the, the, right, in, in, the way Christ lived, they're striving to live that way, striving to deny themselves, striving to pick up their crosses, and striving to follow Jesus Christ every day, Lord, then they're either not born again or they're backslidden. Lord, I pray either way you draw them back to you and bring them to be saved and to bring them to be on the path that leads to eternal life. God, please, have mercy on their souls. Convict their hearts right now. Cut them to the heart right now and bring them to Christ right now. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.